0: Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah الحمد لله ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه بالله من أنفسنا ومن الله فلا له فلا له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا ونشهد ان سيدنا وسندنا وشفي محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد استعذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا ايها الذين امنوا كتب عليكم الصيام كما كتب على الذين من قبلكم لعلكم تتقون معدودات الله العظيم. اللهم صل وسلم وبارك Alhamdulillah, depending where we may be in different parts of the world, we are at the very cusp of entering the blessed month of Ramadan. It is as if we are about to be drowned in the incredible mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The karam and fazl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The maghfirah and forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala,
1: all the while when we are actually entirely unworthy of it. Now one very important lesson about Ramadan is that Ramadan, like Salah, like Hajj, like Zakat, these fara'id, they come to make us aware. And this is a great blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because often me and you, we are unaware. To make us aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala To make us aware of our reality And our purpose in life Is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala To please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Most of the time Most of the believers are entirely unaware And you know One of the most tragic things actually That can happen Is if a person remains unaware During any of these acts So this concept of awareness There are different words for this in Arabic one word is shu'ur, shu'ur, which in English would mean to be conscious. Sometimes even the word, the modern word consciousness is translated in modern Arabic as shu'ur. Simply to be conscious of your duty to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To be conscious and aware of Allah ta'ala's reality, His wujud, His existence, His azmah, His magnificence, His rahmah, His mercy. And then to be aware of your relationship and connection. So one is to be aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as He exists in His essence and His attributes and His majesty and His beauty. A second is to be aware of yourself, of ourselves as individuals, as slaves and servants and worshippers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as His ibad and His creatures. And then another aspect, third, is to be aware and conscious of the Rabd, the Nisbah, the ta'luq, the connection, the relation, the link, the bond between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why this is a a, actually when it when it's being when this phrase bonded is being used to refer to our connection to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. We're happy to be His bonded slaves and His bonded creatures. That means Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has connected us to Him in this bond. So another word for this in Arabic is hudur, hudur, and this referred to a certain presence, a presence of mind, a presence of heart. So again, in modern English, we say, oh, you seem to be absent-minded. Or we feel that, oh, there's an absence in my heart, and my heart is entirely absent in its feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this presence,
0: huzur,
1: or this consciousness, shuur, these are meanings of what it means to be aware. So one of the most tragic things I always feel is if somebody remains unaware At the time of awareness. So, you know, sometimes when I was a professor and I would see there were some university students and it was the month of Ramadan and they were Muslim but they were totally unaware. They were heedless. They were unconscious of Ramadan. So they weren't fasting. They weren't praying. They were carrying on their lives as usual. And it was so sad. And the same... Seen, if I had seen it before in any of the days of any of the other 11 months, no doubt if they were doing something, you know, horrific or something, you know, uh, abusive or something appalling, that would have hurt my heart also. But even the slightest level of unawareness, which may not have painted or be portrayed as such a tragic scene outside Ramadan, inside Ramadan became of epic proportions. Became a tragedy. Because they were unaware. And I used to think they they don't realize. And this is these are this is the way Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala addresses the non-believers in Qur'an about himself that don't you realize. Don't you have sense? Don't you have any sense? Aren't you aware? Aren't you conscious? Don't you realize? And so these were a class of believers who, you know, we have husn we remain optimistic and make dua that Allah Ta'ala preserve their iman no matter how they may choose to neglect it. Or may Allah Ta'ala accept their iman no matter how they may choose not to practice upon it. But outwardly, apparently, the scene was one of unawareness. So then take as an example, the other main ibadat. Imagine if someone is on umrah or hajj, standing in front of the Kaaba, or making tawaf, or she's making sa'i, and she's unaware, unfocused, absent-minded, absent-hearted, what a tragedy that would be. Or if they're in Medina Munawwara, inside Masjid al-Nabui, or even maybe, Allahu Akbar, they're standing in front of the roza, in the company, and in front of the presence of Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam. But they're unaware They're absent-minded, they're absent-hearted. It hasn't entered, permeated into the consciousness of their mind and the consciousness of their heart, their qalb, and the consciousness of their ruh, their soul, where they are and what they're supposed to do. And there are people who actually have come to me on an umrah trip and have said this to me, both about their state of mind and being in tawaf or in front of the Kaaba and even about their state of mind or being in Masjid Nabuy or in front of the Rodha so this is an immense tragedy to be unaware at the moments of awareness to be heedless at the ul- moments of ultimate heedfulness so just like it's true about Ramadan and it's true about Hajj or Umrah or the sacred journey so now think it's actually equally true about Salah now we are numb to this because so many times we pray Salah in a state where we're unaware. So many times we pray our Fard Salah, and, and that is again a moment, an opportunity, a window of absolute shu'ur and fudur, absolute zikr, zikrullah, remembrance of Allah taala. But if we remain unaware, Allahu hmm? akmar, so for many of us that's a tragedy that repeats itself five times a day. So this month of Ramadan, One of the blessings in it is that it takes people. And I think in some ways, in this sense, Allahu Alam, in this sense, in some ways, it's even more powerful than Salah. What do I mean? That Salah, unfortunately, because it's our own fault, obviously the Salah is a perfect act created by Allah as the perfect and most beautiful uh, and most excellent act of worship. But unfortunately, our heart is not able to be wrenched away from the dunya because of salah. But there's something about the month of Ramadan, something about the act of fasting, something just about the ambiance of Allah Taala's rahma and baraka in this month that I've observed in myself and so many people that it can take the most unaware person and all that extremely unaware, maybe they spent a lifetime of unawareness, Maybe they were wallowing an entire year of being unaware. But they turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They offer a little something. They make a niyyah even. Just that they want to fast. They give Allah ta'ala a little bit. They give their deen a little bit. They sh- focus their attention and awareness on their deen. Even a drop, an iota. And then Ramadan comes and takes that drop, that particle of awareness an intention that this person is willing to offer, Ramadan comes and sweeps that away and makes this person into like an ocean of awareness. They become a being awareness. They become a dhaqir, zakira. They actually start spending not moments, but even hours and hours in the remembrance of Allah Taala. They, even when they get tired, maybe they're hungry, maybe they're thirsty, or maybe it's night, they have made a lot of ibadah, or they're coming back from taraweeh, or they're living from half of the people in the Northern Hemisphere in very hot climates, but they lie down, they're tired, even then they're aware of Allah SWT. They just start thinking about Allah SWT. They start Thinking thoughts about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They start talking to Allah ta'ala in their mind. They start speaking to Allah subhanahu in their heart. This is the level of awareness. It means outside of ibadah. They're not doing formal dua, formal salah, formal zikr. They're just lying, dead tired, exhausted, hot maybe. But for some reason, this is the power of Ramadan. They're so aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That at that moment of tired and fatigue and exhaustion, they turn to Allah subhanahu ta'ala in their mind and heart and soul. After having turned to him in their body and he committed the act of bodily fasting Ramadan is one of the most incredible uh, moments of awareness that a person can have so this is something we should be preparing for we should be anticipating for. Obviously, one is the outward act of fasting and the outward schedule of that. But we have to think about the reality. And alhamdulillah, this is another mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that all we have to do is look at our own past. Because alhamdulillah, any one of us who had fasted Ramadan in the past, we would have had this experience that we became aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a previous month of Ramadan. In fact, for some of us, the memory of that awareness, the memory of that closeness, the memory of that remembrance that we had for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so sweet, and is so strong, and is so intense, that even whatever, have, whatever ghafla and absolute utter heedlessness, and whatever absent heartness, and distance we were able to do in 11 months, it can't erase the memory of those sweet moments. And that shows you that something is hakika. That shows you something that is hak. You know, there you know at other times in other lectures we've talked about, you know, belief in Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala Yakin and you know trying to fight skepticism and doubts and there's sometimes ways we try to use rational philosophical explanations, there are other times we try to use scriptural explanations from the Quran and Sunnah, other times we may use history. There's another aspect of this, however, and that is experience. That when you experience something, you know it to be a haq and hakika. So this is the second aspect of Ramadan. You, when we inshaAllah Taala, through the fasting and the state of iman in this month of Ramadan, you will experience yaqeen you will experience qurb, you will experience the haqqaniyah and hakika, the absolute veracity and truth and the absolute reality. A reality that is so absolute, it transcends any notion of empirical reality, or observable reality, or demonstrable reality, or rational reality. It will be a lived reality. A lived reality that is internalized and experienced by us. And that brings a person to absolute yaqeen in their iman. And that's another gift of Ramadan. And that's a gift, don't think that we don't need that. That oh no, I'm a mu'min. No, we need that desperately. You know, there may be some of us right now who the only reason we even have iman still, the only reason we haven't renounced, now the billah al-aman al-hafiz, may Allah protect and preserve us ever from such a calamity. But the only reason we have not renounced iman is due to the barakah of Ramadan that we spent. Barakah of all the Ramadans that we spent, maybe barakah of a single moment of Ramadan that we spent, because of that, the intensity of that feeling, the sweetness of that experience, that yakin that we had in our heart, gave us that connection, rabt, rabita, ta'luq that bond, relationship, connection with Allah subhanahu wa Taala that is unforgettable and unerasable. Hmm? No matter what we may have gone through in life, no matter how many other times we may have felt we had crises of faith or crises of spirituality or lack of feeling, but Alhamdulillah, we retain our iman. So this is the second major thing of Ramadan. Ramadan is a month in which Alhamdulillah, we get hifaza of our iman. Our iman gets preserved because you will feel it. You will feel it. I think anyone who has fasted any Ramadan ever in their life will honestly say that in that state of fasting they had some experience, some dhok, as the early ones used to say, some taste, right? And, you know, the English word taste, far false sort of dhok, you know, I mean, a real, you know, experiential, uh, you know, transformative uh, episode uh in which they knew that Allah ta'ala exists they felt it and in that state these now look at these two things combined in the state of number 1 what do we mention at the start zikr and shu'ur in the state of awareness and consciousness and remembrance and secondly in what state in the state of yaqeen in the state of absolute certainty, in the state of religious experience, in the state of qurb, in the state of feeling, a, f- a feeling of nearness and proximity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in these two feelings and states, when a person does any ibadah, whether it's they pray salah, or they pray tarawih or they recite Quran al-Kareem, or they make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that ibadah has lutf, uh, that ibadah has serenity and sublime sweetness to it, That ibadah increases their dhikr and increases their yaqeen. And these are the things that happen in Ramadan. So this means, even if we just understood just these first 15 minutes, this means that absolutely incredible things are going to happen in Ramadan. And they're going to happen, things of wonder and amazement happen in this month of Ramadan. And they happen to people like you and me. Allahu Akbar Kabira. This If this Ramadan itself is a hujja, is a proof of the infinite mercy, the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because otherwise, if we were to look at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's adl or his ilm, then it would be that, okay, only those people who are really, really, you know, pious all year, and they were super practicing all year, then for them, this month will come and be a special month for them. No, no, no. <laughs> Even the person who is way, way, way gone, <laughs> deep, deep, deeply unaware, Allah Akbar hmm? you know, even for me personally, when I first tried and am still in this long, lasting struggle to come closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, but you know, the first baby steps I took, I still remember. It was in Ramadan, in Chicago, in probably, Allah, I can't. Maybe it was nineteen ninety three. 1993, yeah, 92,
0: 93,
1: around that time. Hm? I remember the first time I prayed Taraweeh. I never stood that long in my life in Salah, because I didn't, I hardly knew any Quran. Hm? But, you know, Alhamdulillah, when you have an Imam in Taraweeh and he's hafiz of Quran, he's reciting all Quran, it's an experience. It's an experience. That itself, who, who are we to be blessed to hear, do sama to listen, audio, you know, in a orally, A-U-R-A-L-L-Y, orally in our ear, Quran al hmm? So you know, we love to me- remember this and mention this, that this is the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah, sallallahu wa sallam, that the angel Jibreel recited Quran to him and he recited Quran to angel Jibreel. You know, wh- wh- that's, a, that's like a su- super sunnah. That's a sunnah from his aspect of being a Nabi. Right? So, me and you, we do many sunnas. We may use miswak and do things, but the experience of revelation and receiving revelation, we have no part in that. Yes, you have one part in that. That you can recite revelation. The same way, the Sayyidina Rasulullah, he sallallahu alayhi wa ali wasallam, recited revelation, you can recite revelation. And the same way, he listened to and heard revelation. And actually, he used to hear wahi first time, first for the first time, then later he would hear it for a second time, third time, fourth time. And me and you, all of us have that experience. So, for, Like I was telling you, for me, that year in Ramadan in Chicago was the very first time in my life I had ever done Sima'ah of Qur'an al-Karim. I had ever listened to Qur'an. And then obviously as you continue, whether you you know, listen to it on audio, or you listen to it in tarawih, or you listen to your child becoming a hafiz, or you continue reciting it, this act of reciting and the act of listening to the recitation, this is also something Allah Ta'ala will bless us with in Ramadan, inshallah. So this is also, I mean, I should also, along with this stuff mentioned very practically, it's extremely important to try to pray Salatul Tarawih, entirely, so that inside salah. You have Sema, you have, you listen to entire Qur'an al kareem And it's very important also in this month to try to recite the entire Qur'an. You should just go wild about this goal. You know, it should just be a major and you should get to a head start. And you know, it's very advisable for those who even have a slight understanding of Qur'anic Arabic, even slight They should try to recite before Taraweeh. So the very first night you're going to get off to a flying start in Ramadan because Maghrib will start. Hmm? And inshallah for some of us that is Sunday and for some of that it will be Maghrib. And between Maghrib and Isha you've got to read your first Juz. Because you want that when you go for Isha Salah and you listen to the Taraweeh, you've already recited it and you're hearing it. Right? Khair, you know, everybody you know may have different schedules and different things. But the point is that act of reciting and listening, this pairing... Most of us, unless we're HIFS instructors, or have children doing HIFS, we don't have this pairing. Even Muslim people who recite very regularly. So this pairing of reciting and listening gives us this uplift and heightened experience of Qur'an al-Kareem. And again, Allah Ta'ala is going to open the doors for this, inshallah ta'ala, to people who otherwise year-round have totally neglected Qur'an whether they whether you talk about neglecting its recitation or you want to talk about neglecting listening to it Allahu akbar hmm? amazing things happen in ramadan amazing things hmm? it's allah Ta'ala has built in ramadan has been designed by the master designer ramadan itself and every one of its features and characteristics and sifat has been created by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala designed by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Perfectly to fit. It's the perfect remedy. The perfect cure. The perfect shifa. The perfect healing for our complete imperfections. For our spiritual illnesses and maladies and diseases. Allah Akbar. Hmm? It's like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is healing us. So you can think like the month of Ramadan is like a mustashfa. It's like a one grand month long temporal, spatial, spiritual hospital. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a shafi. He is the healer. Hmm? And we are the patients. And you know, like a person has to go every year, right? Annual tuning. Hmm? Not even check-up. Just like annual, you know, quadruple heart bypass surgery. That's what happens to us in Ramadan spiritually. Allah Akbar. Hmm? All why? Because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. Because of His hidayah. Because of His guidance. Hmm? And by the way, Although, because I am like that, and most of you are like that, so it, it appears that up to now I've been talking about people who are sinners. But let me tell you, everything I said up till now is equally, absolutely true for the muttaqin, salihin, mu'mineen, the very few left on this face of this earth. It's even true for them. Even true for them. Because the muttaqin, salihin may have other tests... They may have a test of ujub or a sense of pride or awareness of their achievements and accomplishments and talents. There may be many other things, right? Ramadan, every believer is in need of a cure. Every believer needs the mercy of Allah ta'ala, not just the sinners, even the pious. This is one of the great understandings of the real true ulama of deen. They're called arifin. And they understood these things, that the muttaqeen are as needy of Allah Ta's Rahmah and Makfarah, his mercy and forgiveness as the sinning believers are. And that is why Allah Ta'ala does that Ramadan comes for everyone. Salah is for everyone. Hajj is for everyone. Everyone needs it. And and this is this is a unity. So this is the fourth aspect of Ramadan. This is a unity. This is, what we, we are joined, yes, in the physical act of fasting, we may be joining in communal or family acts of keeping the fast and breaking the fast, but we're joined, ultimately, in this need. You know, it's, it's like Arafah. It's like spending an entire 30 days and nights in the same consciousness and shu'ur of Arafah. That the Hujajir, did they forget who's from where and what country, race, language, ethnicity, background, even gender, and arafa, It just, everyone is just joined in one absolute need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is how we should be in the month of Ramadan. And again, this is another thing that we're unaware of. We didn't feel this palpable need, this faqr, faqeer. Ya ayuhal nas, antum al-faqaraw Allah hmm Allahu akbar. And, and this is a gift. This is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so all now you can even see everything I've said up till now can even be tied to the physical aspect of hunger the physical aspect of feeling hunger and thirst is and, and I'll talk about that a bit later this whole concept of negating our nafs but it's all but before that the physical concept of hunger and thirst physical feeling and the physical aspect of hunger and thirst leads to a feeling of need and then it leads to a f- need Leads to dependency. You ultimately depend on that which can fulfill your need. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Qur'an, nas antumul إِلَى اللَّهِ O human being, O so oh people, each and every single one of you, are absolutely needy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, therefore accept and acknowledge this need, and if you embrace this need, then all your needs will be fulfilled. By that one being, Al-Ghani Al-Mustagni, that one being who is rich in his treasures and knowledge that he can fulfill every need, and his Al-Mustagni himself has no need, he will fulfill every one of your needs once you embrace your own need of him. Allahu Akbar. And so, for, for us to learn that lesson, that real lesson, because that's a lesson we're supposed to feel that even when we eat anything and everything, you know, that is lawful, that is a lesson you should feel even if you ate the most luxurious meal but we didn't we forgot we became in ghafla we got too caught up in material things material pleasures and also because you know mashallah you know many people are actually uh, I'll come to the poor later but many of you know the people who have been listening to an English talk uh, are not poor so what does it mean? Allah Ta'ala in His Sifat of ad He removed them From material wants and needs But the deception and delusion They fell into The mistake they made Is they forgot their spiritual wants and needs hmm? So Allah says Okay, in Ramadan I'm going to make you do something That will level you That will level you No matter what material comforts I myself have given you All my, my netmas, My bounties and blessings That I've honored you with They made you soft. They made you forget that even if I, Allah Ta'ala, out of His infinite grace gave us so much sustenance that we don't have material wants and needs, we are still always and ever spiritually needy of Him. And we have to embrace that need. So it happens naturally to a person in Ramadan because of the fast. So the actual fast is also one of the greatest things about Ramadan. The actual fast in abstaining from lawful ways to fulfill your needs. That's what the fast is. Because when you feel need, you feel want. When you feel need, you feel talab. When you feel absence, you want presence. And so just like every day we go through this cycle that I, my stomach is empty And all day I will live in a want, in a talab, in a desire, in a yearning to remove that emptiness. Just like that, I will reflect in my life. If my heart was empty from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or my book of deeds was empty of good deeds, now I will spend the rest of my life in a want, in a desire, in a talab, in a thirst, in a yearning to remove that emptiness. So this happens to a person in Ramadan. You would think if you used your akal rationally, that the old oh, the person would make like tons of dua at the start of the fast. Because, you know, they just, you know, they woke up and they had suhur and they're about to start the fast. No. That is a time when a person makes dua. But perha- probably for most people, the most heartfelt dua is at the end of the fast. When they're totally exhausted, they're hungry, they're thirsty, they're tired. Akul would say the only thing on their mind at that moment should be food and drink. They're so gone by now. They've been so weakened by hunger and thirst. At this point, there's no way this person can be thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or making dua for akhira or for their jannah or for any spiritual thing. They must be so, they must, their brain must be fried by now. No? <laughs> Alhamdulillah. <laughs> at that time, Ajib, Allahu Akbar, Ajib, it's amazing. How person starts making dua to Allah wa ta'ala about totally non-material things, non-worldly things. Hmm? So by humbling the human being, by making them feel that material want, actually Allah ta'ala transforms it into a spiritual want, a spiritual need, which becomes a spiritual bond, spiritual desire, spiritual talib. All this programmed by Allah ta'ala into the very features and facets of Ramadan itself. Alhamdulillah. Hmm? So this is an incredible month because it's gonna do something incredible to us. And we need it desperately. You know. In fact the only thing more the only the only thing that is of greater magnitude and order than the you know, the way the extent to which Ramadan is amazing and wondrous, the only thing that I could say is greater than that is our need for it. Our need for Ramadan is the only thing that is greater than Ramadan's own shan, its own majesty and its features. So this is the way a person should go into Ramadan. This is the feeling a person should have in Ramadan. And we were sharing with some of our friends earlier on, in about a week ago, that, you know, many times when we think about preparing for Ramadan, Ramadan's going to start, Ramadan's about to start tomorrow, day after, and a person starts thinking, okay, this year, I'm gonna do better. Or this year I'm gonna do more. So I say, ho ho, hold on. Okay, maybe, you know, no doubt, that's a great intention and we make dua that Allah Ta'ala, give every one of us tawfiq to do more and better. But let's just pause for a moment and actually realize that anything we were able to do last year in Ramadan, that was just a gift from Allah SWT. And we have no, we don't, we don't have yaqeen. That we're going to be able, it's, it's not guaranteed that I can do equally well as last year. And all I have to do is make effort to make better. No, doing equally well as last year, that's not guaranteed right now. That is not guaranteed at this moment. That will even performing in Ramadan in terms of keeping the fast and extra ibadat and dhikr and charity and changing your care, improving character and becoming a person of virtue. Whatever we did last year even performing equal to that is nowhere near guaranteed. This is a hidden ujub. This is a hidden arrogance to think, oh yeah, definitely I can easily do what I did and this year let me think what I can do more and better. So the first thing we should actually have, uds. Adz. adz means to have humility. But adz also means to acknowledge your absolute incapacity. This is the beauty of the Arabic language. Actually, adz literally means that. That you have incapacity. And the acknowledgement of that you know, existential incapacity makes a person actually feel humble. So humbly accept, actually Allah Ta'ala, I have no hope of even keeping one fast. That's my haqqiqat. My haqqiqat isn't that Allah, I can do as well as I did last year. Probably I could on my own do a bit better, but Yallah, ya I ask you that you help me do even more better. No, no, no. My reality is I can't do anything. I have no ability. I, I, me, I don't even have the ability to do one fast. Yalla, last year, I don't know what you did to me. Allah Akbar, Ya you sent some uh, ajeeb, rahmah and mercy and hidayah on me. That I did 30 out of 30 fast. Ya Allah, I, I need you again. <laughs> Forget more and better. Ya I need you again this year. Ramadan is just around the corner. I need you. <laughs> For what? To do more and better? To do something amazing? Yallah, I need you first right now to please make in my takdeer that I actually do the fard fast. Because me, I see nothing in me except weakness. Oh, hmm? this should be a dua we should make that Ramadan is coming. This should be a fiqh we have in our heart. This is called adz ubudiyyah, incapacity, humility, slavehood, servanthood, submission, subordination to Allah SWT. Yalla I desperately need yalla it, it, if you make enable me to fast every Firth fast and to pray all the five Firth salat this month even just these two things yalla it will be the most incredible mercy you've ever done on me it will be the greatest karamat in my life that I can pull that off hmm? start with like that We should never take anything in our own action and our own ability for granted. That's what this means. (laughs) La hawla wa la quwata illa billah. It's not enough to just recite it a hundred times or a thousand times. You've got to feel it. You've got to live it. It's got to change the way we talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, when you start talking about that, you know, making du'as, Allah ta'ala help me make the farais, let me do the wajabah, then the second, way before we come to this topic of doing more or better, is the second, Ya Allah, I need to leave sins. Not just that, Oh Allah, you know, last year in Ramadan I left sin, but afterwards I returned to it. So Ya Allah, after this month of Ramadan, let me not return to it. Well, who told you it's guaranteed you'll be able to leave it this year in Ramadan? Okay, last year you said there's sin XYZ, that I was successfully able to leave last year in Ramadan. Don't take that for granted that you're going to be able to leave it this year. To so, make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Ya Allah, I don't want to do any sins this month in Ramadan. Whether it's a sin that I'm doing now, Ya Allah stop me from it, protect me from it, take me out from it. Whether it's some old sin I haven't done for 10, 15, 20 years, Ya Allah, don't let it creep up back on me somehow in Ramadan. Or maybe it's some new sin that I've never even done yet in my life and never even fathomed it. Never even contemplated, even imagined doing it. Ya Allah, don't let that happen in Ramadan. There should be a figure a person should have. So many duas just on these two things. for Taufiq from Allah Ta'ala to do what is fard. And grace and mercy from Allah to stay away from that which is prohibited. Keep making dua, keep making dua, keep making dua on these two things. This is the way to prepare for Ramadan. No no doubt one can talk about timetables and food management, but you know, anybody who's, you know, learned enough should know enough about that. I'm not here to teach you. uh, Because that you can't really do last minute. Unfortunately, however organized or disorganized you are, but that level of your organizational self is going to show up in Ramadan. Maybe you can become a little bit better, inshallah. But it's the spiritual self that has to improve, right? It's much more important than the organizational self. So I think some, some of us, you know, because it's become a big fad, and I, no doubt I see a lot of benefit in that as well, the whole personal effectiveness and dynamism, literature and topics. But in Ramadan, it, it's it, you're riding a higher wave, right? It's a lot of du'as to be able to fulfill the fries and wajibat. A lot of the waterswant to, to be able to successfully stay away from sin. Then comes a third thing and then fourth will be extra acts of ibada. The third thing which I think is even is maybe the most difficult of the four things. So I'll tell you again number one, two and four and then I'll tell you three. Number one is doing the about. number two is living sin. Number four is all types of extra Ibadah, extra charity, extra character, etc. but number three Number three is to leave lao, to leave rafla. All the time wasting, all the futile surfing, all the oversleeping, all the extra talking, all the random dazing and spacing out. You know, it's like so many hours, hours and hours and hours. If you compound this, it, like some of us, maybe actually those of us who are like 40 plus, there may have been one or two years of our life that has been spent. Maybe even worse, Allah Akbar. Maybe years, at the magnitude of years that we have spent, in ghafla and law So here I'm specific using ghafla and law to refer to something that's not sinful because we separated the sin out as number two. Things that technically speaking are permissible, but they're spiritually numbing, they're mind numbing, they're time wasting, and just think opportunity cost. This is the third thing. Now this is something, alhamdulillah, with the barakah of Ramadan, this happens to a lot of people, that they're able to stay away from these things. Some of them, they're just too tired because they're hungry and thirsty, they can't do a lot of stuff that maybe they used to do. Some of them, beca- most of them because they have some sense, and they realize that time is valuable, and if I'm fasting, and if I'm going through all this, so might as well make my time worthwhile, and spend it in extra ibadah. But this is the thing, if there's anything you want, To quote unquote retain after Ramadan I would say even more Than trying to retain extra ibadah Because it's just not going to happen Ramadan is a month of extra ibadah But if you really want to retain something It's this That Ya Allah the same way And this would be a dua to offer more towards the end uh, Ya Allah the same way that in Ramadan Inshallah you will give me tawfiq To stay away from laugh And to you know stay away from these time wasting things After Ramadan Ya Allah That's the biggest thing I need from you because this is one of the biggest things that harms and hurts the believers. Uh and this has become worse as time progresses, society and technology advances. There's so many sophisticated snares that lit- they're like black holes. They just suck your time away. People don't even realize, you know. I don't realize. Sometimes I start reading up on some article And it leads to another article, leads to another article. And before you know it, one, two hours have passed. And I even written, you know, I thought I was going to write like half a chapter. I I barely wrote one page. And I ended up reading all types of things, all halal things, maybe very interesting things, that have nothing to do with what I'm writing, you know. It's it's just, it's such a complex, complicated world. Hmm? So that's another thing I would say now, practically in Ramadan, but also after Ramadan, Is simplicity. I can tell you there's so much barakah in simplicity. You know when people say poor people have barakah, there's no barakah in being poor itself in the sense of being, you know, oppressed. Because many poor people are oppressed. There's no barakah in being Muslim. Right? I mean there is a, you know, obviously Allah accepts the dua of the Muslim. But it's the barakah in the simplicity of their life. And that's why, you know, what some of the early generations of believers, they realize that this simplicity, which is called Zuhd, is something that is so valuable. We have to try to get that in our life. You know, today people talk about this. They call decluttering. Allahu so Akbar. Decluttering, you know, spring cleaning, throw things out, live simply, be simple. So Ramadan is a time when we have to declutter. Not the physical stuff on our desk. Declutter your mind. Declutter your thoughts, declutter your emotions, declutter your relationships, declutter all your misgivings, resentment, declutter your hostility, your enmities, declutter your confusions maybe about Deen or about about Allah subhanahu Just let go and just embrace Ramadan. Just let go and embrace the fast. Literally, just that act of I would say literally let's say there was somebody who says, Oh, I'm thinking of becoming an I become an atheist, just fast. Just fast and focus on the fasting, it'll declutter all your mind.
0: Allahu Akbar.
1: And so this one very important part of decluttering is to stay away from our maybe lawful and permissible hobbies and pastimes. Just think actually how you spend your time. That's why I call it time waster. There's a lot of things we give our time to that are not worthwhile. And Alhamdulillah, that goes down in Ramadan. Another thing to do then, in the next couple of days, or for some of us, it may just be even 24 hours, uh, and obviously during and again after Ramadan, is to make a lot of istighfar. You know, a lot of istighfar. Seeking the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a different, so there are two ways that a person does istighfar. One is doing istighfar when you've committed a sin, Or there's some particular sin Maybe you committed it a long time ago But you have that sin in mind So what you're doing is You're seeking Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness You're begging Allah Ta'ala to forgive you For that sin That's one type of istighfar It may be due to a sin A shortcoming A mistake A wrongdoing Between you and Allah Ta'ala Between you and someone That is istighfar There's a second way that istighfar is done And that is not actually over any sin. Or any wrongdoing. Whether between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or you and someone else. The second way of istighfar is actually just to present your incapacity and your humility and your worthlessness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's the sunnah istighfar. Yani when Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa made istighfar, he's masoom, he's the perfect immaculate being. There's no sin that he was asking Allah for forgiveness for, an al So what was the feeling, the emotion in his istighfar? It was this. This feeling of worthlessness. He would say, Ya Allah, we have not worshipped you. Ma'abadnaaka, haqqa ibadatak. We have not worshipped you according to the, the majesty and the stature that you have. That's why Sayyidina Rasulallah, sallallahu alaihi in first, after Fardz Salah, after saying salam, would say, Astaghfirullah three times. So that's a different type of istighfar. So, we should make both, right? Obviously, because we are people who have sins. So, we should make the first type of istighfar. And generally, before and after, doing any act of deen, before Ramadan, after Ramadan, before Arafah, after Arafah, because that comes in Quran, that after Arafah, on the way back to Minah, make istighfar. So, before and after, a major act or effort of deen, we should seek forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, First, yes, for any and all of our sins. And second, also, for our worthlessness. To, in other words, we make a stuqvar, just simply put, I'm not worthy of this Ramadan that's coming. Ya Allah, if you answer all my other du'as, and you give me tawfiq to fast and pray and leave sin and leave law and, and make extra ibadah and have good character in any and every du'a I make, if you answer all of that, I'm not worthy of it. I'm worthless. Allahu akbar. So I seek your forgiveness for my worthlessness. I seek your forgiveness for who, for being who I am. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. And it's not done in a self-hating way. Alright? You should be very careful. Self-effacing can, I don't want it to permute, you know, permutate the wrong way to self-hating. Alhamdulillah, there's no self-hating in deen. There's no original sin in deen. There's no intrinsic evil in deen. Alhamdulillah, our deen is of pure, we are of, of a pure fitrah. The Allah Taala put the pure seed of iman in our heart. That Allah Taala put a pure ruh created by Him, without any science, without any sabab. But there's another part of us, our body, that's all scientific elements, perishable elements created through processes and subject to decay, right? There's a, but the core inside of us is our ruh that is made by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and hence the ruh is perfect. The ruh doesn't go through decay, right? The ruh doesn't have disease. When we talk about spiritual disease, it's not literally; it's not a, a literal, you know, pathological disease in the ruh. So, you know, I'm I, I'm worthless. Hmm? It's you, who, but it's not a self-hating thing, because Allah Taala created insan with a pure ruh and placed them on the pure fitra, and it's only our own actions and deeds and choices that made us go away from that. And so, what is Ramadan then? Ramadan is a return. A return to the path of purity of the ruh. What is Ramadan? A Ramadan is a return to the true and pure fitrah. Allah akbar. and that's what I'm saying. We're worthless of. Tell me, I was so, I've been so negligent of this. I've been so absent on this, hmm? and you're sending upon me a month of mercy, a month of your mercy. A month of your hidayah is going to b- bring me back, tune me back, turn me back to all of these things. Make istighfar to Allah subhanahu mm-hmm. So this is almost like an istighfar you make enjoy, joy. Hmm? And then obviously the first istighfar that we seek Allah's forgiveness for our sins. In Ramadan, uh, you know, when Ramadan starts... Uh, it's very important to make a lot of du'a in Ramadan. So there are two aspects of this. One are those times and occasions mentioned by Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wa alihi Wa Sallam when du'as are more accepted. Alright? So that's one aspect to it. A second aspect is to make du'a at the time when your heart feels like making du'a. Any and every time you feel even the slightest inkling of inclination towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The slightest, let's say, remembrance to Allah, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Make dua. Any dua. Any dua. Don't let any feeling, any yearning, any inclining, any turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remain Without a dua that came upon that feeling. A dua that followed upon that feeling. All of dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let's talk now more about this very important aspect of dua. Alright? So the first thing is the particular special times for dua. So when you make niyah of the fast, so Allah has blessed Ramadan in the sense that there are multiple things that happen at that time. First, it happens to be, uh, if you're up at that time and having suhoor, so it is the last third of the night, which any time of the year, any night of the year, is a time of special kubuliya or acceptance of du'a. Second, if you had ate your suhoor, so to eat suhoor is from the sunnah. So I was mentioning about uh, du'a. So there are different aspects of du'a. And I'd mention that we must turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whenever our heart feels that desire to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second thing is that there are some special times and moments and occasions and opportunities when du'as are accepted. So the first is at the time of suhoor. So that Allah Ta'ala has blessed that time because it's the last third of the night. So for any night of the year, that is a special time in which du'as are accepted. The second is that we ate suhoor at that time. So eating suhoor is an act of sunnah, an act of ittiba, of following the sunnah. So whenever you follow the sunnah, that is also a time to make du'a. The third, we're making niyah and we're making an intention that we're going to do a farḍ act of fasting in the month of Ramadan that day. That's also a time to make du'a. So there are several things that combine at that moment. So that's a very important time for a person to make du'a. The second time, obviously, and we've discussed this earlier, is that the time at iftar. So this is few minutes, as many minutes as you can really, until maghrib adhan. Alright? But when the maghrib adhan sounds, then yes, you can finish up your thought, finish up your sentence, but the humility there is to show your need to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you needed that permission to eat and drink now and therefore that is why Sayyidina Rasulullah himself and he also told his companions that they should break the fast promptly once the time enters or when the adhan is called. Now obviously one can only imagine, one can't imagine actually uh, the, the kind of du'as and the level of communication between Sayyidina Rasulullah and Allah Ta'ala at the time of his du'as at Iftar or even of the Sahaba Kiram radiallahu ta'ala anujmain. so there's nothing mean, there's no du- level of closeness or du'a mean you could be making at that time that could rival that or even ever match that but because the teaching was that you should break your fast promptly, so yes you can finish your thought, finish your sentence uh, and then know, Allah knows what's in your heart and enjoy that also that you may stop outwardly making du'a with your tongue and you may now turn to the outward task of eating a date and drinking water, but your heart can keep making du'a to Allah Ta'ala and your Allah knows what is in your breast. This is one of the things he, Allah SWT tells us many times in Qur'an. And people always also, you know, they make a mistake. They always only take or comment on that ayah negatively. That Allah Ta'ala knows the secrets you harbor or the secret intentions you have. That's not the only meaning. Allah Ta'ala knows the 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 beautiful du'as you were never able to express. Allah Ta'ala knows the deep feelings you have for him that you're never able to act upon. That's also a meaning. Allah Ta'ala knows every single thing. Ma tuqfis sudur each and everything that is hidden in your chest, in your breast, and your heart. Right? So these are two times for du'a. Third time is uh This third time is true outside of Ramadan as well But for most people there will be more opportunities to do it inside Ramadan And so the third time is after every Adhan Uh, And let me actually talk about some of the opportunities that are actually true year round But because maybe we've neglected them so much year round We should focus on them intensely and intently in Ramadan So normally all of us we listen to with great anticipation And then we listen to the Maghrib Adhan and we also listen to the Fajr Adhan. And those who are going to go to the Masjid for Tarawih, they to listen to the Isha Adhan. So to the Barakah of Ramadan, we actually are going to listen closely and carefully to three Adhans. So this is also something new. Because most of the time, most of the believers, even the ones who pray in the Masjid regularly, are kind of oblivious. And so those of you who were with us from the very start of the talk, this is the first thing I'd mention. That Ramadan is all about becoming aware. And this is an incredible transformation that happens in Ramadan. That we are people who are unaware, absent-minded, absent-hearted. And Allah Ta'ala brings us to a state of shu'ur and consciousness and huzur and awareness in our heart and dhikr and remembrance of Him in Ramadan. And so when a person is in that state, they pick up on lots of things that otherwise they weren't picking up on. And one of the most important, one of the most beautiful things like that is the Adhan. So, we should try to enjoy the adhan, listen to the adhan, and when we respond and repeat the words and sentences, as all of you know, we should really say it from our heart. And then from the time of adhan to the time of iqama is a time when du'as are accepted. Right? So I always found it very interesting, because in Ramadan, and this is, you know, a beautiful thing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that when, the time that you break your fast. So, up to that point is, du'as are accepted. And immediately after that, because it's a time between Adhan and Niqamah, that's also a time when du'as are accepted. Allah Akbar So the act of breaking the fast takes place surrounded on all sides by kubuliya, by acceptance of any lawful, righteous du'a that the person who was fasting can make to Allah Ta'ala. So no doubt, like I said, that we should, out of humility, the sunnah adab is to turn with the tongue to the act of eating and drinking, but now to continue in du'as with your heart and in your mind up to ikama. And obviously, once you get up and you've finished, you know, that brief breaking of the fast and you enter the masjid, or for the women, you may stand in your... You know, I've always wondered this question. So I cannot say, I, 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 I cannot offer scholarly answers to this question on the research. But, you know, sometimes I think that for women, like if I was a woman, I would think that, okay, so from adhan to ikama, the du'as are accepted. So for the men, the ikama many times in the masjid is like 10 minutes after adhan, right? But for the woman, she can, you know, she can stretch that time if she wants, because there's no uh, strict, uh, you know, guideline for her. Maghrib obviously should should pray sooner, but let's say she hears the Isha adhan, or she's in one of those countries that have these broadcasting, you know, receivers, whatever. So she, you know, from the adhan until she prays Isha, Allahu. I'm not saying this is a scholarly position, but you know, sometimes until you know the scholarly position, you can make niya, and sometimes Allah Taala will accept your niya, لِكُلِ emrin man so here, this is another time of making du'a. Another thing, which is again year-round, uh, is any time you do any act of ibadah, that's a time of acceptance of du'a. So any time you recite any Qur'an in Ramadan. Now the reason I'm saying this, let me make this clear, is we should not miss a single one of these moments. So even if you just make a five-second du'a, but try to... Make yourself, train yourself, mold yourself in this what we call hirs. Hirs means that you have this insatiable, unquenchable thirst and desire that you can't lose even one of these moments. And that's what should happen to a person in Ramadan. So let's say you recite Quran however briefly or however much, make dua a little bit afterwards. Every salah you pray, make dua afterwards. You pray taraweeh, make dua afterwards. Right? Anything you give charity, make dua afterwards. You sit and smile with your parents or children or spouse or loved ones, make dua afterwards. You did it, you performed an act of virtue, good character, make dua afterwards. Any good act, any good action is a moment of acceptance of dua. So, there'll be so many moments like that. And again, if you can't make dua with your tongue, make dua on your heart. So what happens here is a constant connection. And again, going back to the thing I said at the very start, Constant connection, rabt, rabita, ta'luq, nispa, connection, relation, communication with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's built through dua. Every dua is like another stitch between our hearts, and our heart's connection to Allah ta'ala. Or deep rope, stitches have to be with a small thread. A deep bond, further bonding, layers and layers and layers of bonding. Allahu Akbar. And just that's such a beautiful thing because the dua is actually for our own sake and for our own benefit. But Allah has made dua an act of bonding between the believer and their Lord. Between the Abd and the Rabb. Allahu Akbar. So this is a very important habit and practice to get into in the month of Ramadan. And this is also one of the important things that we would want to continue after Ramadan. So four times so far at the time of Suhoor which is also the time of the last of the night. Uh, the second is the time of iftar. The third is at the time between the adhan and ikama. Fourth is the time, uh, uh, any time we complete an act of worship or act of goodness or act of virtue. Fifth is obviously the odd nights of the last ten days. So these are even further extra special, right? Uh, and, and then fifth, sixth would be that any one of these nights, and we can imagine that any, uh, and every, any of those nights may be lil which is khayr min which is better than one thousand months, which means better than eighty plus years. And so what that literally means mathematically, uh, if you like to look at things mathematically, exponentially, is that if a person makes dua lil to and Allah tells khair, so it's better than, which you can pretend to mean more than. So imagine, you know, sometimes we used to explain it to our friends like this, that imagine if I told you there's somebody who murdered 100 people, and now this person wants to make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if I told you, yeah, you know, what do you think, he just made du'a once, you would probably say, you know, well, Allah, Allah, but anyway you say, but a person might say that, okay, yeah, you know, maybe maybe that one du'a is so sincere. And of course, Allah Ta'ala Himself is so merciful that obviously He could forgive him for killing those 100 people after one du'a. But, you know, we wouldn't be sure. But if I told you He spent 83 years non-stop, every single moment consecutively for 83 years He was crying and making du'a to Allah Ta'ala, you would say, oh, I'm sure Allah Ta'ala has forgiven her. Definitely, she's forgiven, right? So now, if you make any dua, and if you want to make sure that you made that dua on Laylatul Qadr, you just have to make it on all five of those nights. So the night of the twenty-first, twenty-third, twenty-fifth, twenty-seventh, and twenty-ninth. So if you any dua you make on all five of those nights, you can rest assured in your heart it is as if you made that dua for more than eighty-three years. More, that's up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. More than 83 can be 84 years. More than 83 can be 83 billion years. More, when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's no limit. So this is another beautiful thing, because khair has no intihah. So more, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has no limit, no had, no boundary. So it can mean infinite eternity. (laughs) Allahu akbar kabir, that's the power, if you ask me and Laylatul together That if you make a dua, me, I, you, we, us, inshallah, all the ummah, make dua on all of those five nights, each of those five nights, every one of those five nights, then we can hope that Allah SWT out of His infinite mercy and infinite knowledge and infinite treasures can treat that dua as as infinitely, eternally better than 1,000 nights. Allah Akbar Kabira. So that's a lot going into our book of good deeds, which otherwise is very scanty. Hmm? So, and so, it's not just about dua, by the way. Anything you do on that night is better, is is because that night itself uh has this multiplying aspect to it. All right. That another aspect, uh, another special time to make dua is um, the night before Eid, actually, which is you know a lot of people neglect that. Now, it's not expected that the night before Eid you may necessarily do as much ibadah as you did in the last ten days and nights, but there should be something. I actually think this is very special. This is like a kind of humility to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tell Ramadan is gone, but I still need you. Ramadan is gone, but my need for you is not gone. Ramadan is gone, but my passion for you is not gone. Ramadan is gone, but that connection that was built in Ramadan, that's not gone. Right? And so, if you want to do as much ibadah, obviously, the night before Eid. If nothing else, there's not tarawih. Right? But there should be few minutes. It's just a few minutes but a few minutes a person should try to make du'a, but in the same way, and the same feeling, and the same yearning, and the same longing that they did, right? That they did on the 21st, 23rd, 25th, 27th, 29th nights. Then the next thing will be the du'a on the day of Eid, and particularly after Eid Salah. So it's like it continues, right? My own feeling from that is that, you know, I mean, there's no hadith specifically to say that it continues even after that, but Allah subhanahu is basically giving us a message. That even on the night before Eid, even on the day of Eid, even after Eid, I'm always here because that's what Allah said in Quran. Right? Ud'uni that you should make du'a to me. Pa' kareem, that I am ever near to you. Astajib that I will answer the call of the caller when they call up to me. So this is Ramadan is just giving us training for that. So this is a very important feeling that we should have throughout the month of Ramadan. And obviously throughout our lives, inshallah, is to make a lot of du'a. Okay, so now that I've mentioned different aspects of du'a, times of du'a, and the first thing to remember was to make du'a at any time that your heart feels, what du'a should a person make, right? Now, you may be surprised that I'm talking about this because du'a is generally conceived by most people to be very personal, and it is very personal, and therefore very individual, and it is very individual. But the truth is that we learn a lot. Uh, from others du'as. This is why, by the way, I should also, since we have all of you, is inshallah, uh, tomorrow we're gonna have off, but, uh, starting Monday, and I'm talking right now, uh, Pakistan time, so for Monday night, uh, we will inshallah give a talk every night, uh, which will be at 11pm, uh, what is it? 11pm Pakistan time, which is, 11pm is 7pm? UK time, and that is probably 6pm South Africa time, and 2pm New York time, on dua. And what I wanted to do in, in this year's series of talks in Ramadan, inshallah and I'll only be able to do it for about the first 10-15 days, uh, is duas of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that are mentioned in Quran, and also some from the Sunnah. Because we learn a lot from others' duas, and the most most perfect du'as are gonna be of the most perfect human beings, and that was the Anbiya Alayhim As-Salam Ajmain. So this will be an entire series that we're going to do, insha'Allah. Now, very briefly, uh, you know, look to the du'as in the Quran, look to the du'as in Hadith, and look to the du'as even from the Salihin, Muttaqeen, any even your friends, your parents, your spouse, your children, your loved ones. We can really learn a lot from one another in du'a. Alright? Uh, the adab of du'a is to first make du'a for your akhira and deen and second make du'a for your dunya. The second adab of du'a, etiquette of du'a, is to make du'a for yourself first and for your near and loved ones and the ummah second. Now this this now, normally maybe a person may think their own sense of morality is, no I should make, I should be selfless, make du'a for the ummah first and then my family and then at the end myself. So the reason is, is that the dua is the humility. Everything in Deen comes down to adz and ubudiyah. Everything in Deen comes down to our humility and servitude and slavery to Allah Subhanahu. Wa ta'ala. So the humility and servitude aspect of it, the muqtada or the you know the the what what naturally emanates, what would befit that is that you make dua for yourself first, all right? Uh, but then you definitely afterwards try to make dua. For your ones, for us, for our family, for your families, for the fellow listeners, for any for the whole Ummah. Alright? So these are two uh, Adab of Du'a. You know, obviously like I mentioned to you, Du'a is a very personal thing. It's hard for a person actually, because I was initially thinking I would share fair better than the series I would share with you, uh the different du'as that the different Anbiyalayim Aslamajmain ta'ala from, and What I will tell you now, because I know not all of you misread those times will suit you, although, you know, we'll uh, be putting these things up on the website as well, inshallah, is that whenever you make a du'a that's mentioned in the Qur'an, mentioned in the sunnah, or any du'a you heard from anyone that is acceptable to make, you should always add to it some of your own words. So what happens is, when you, especially when you make the du'as of Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ, you're riding upon his words, trying to access his feelings, but you need to put your own share into it as well. You need to own it. You need to feel it, right? Just like Salah. So you're reciting transmitted words The Surah Fatiha. It's transmitted from Quran. Transmitted to us through Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam, And through those words, you're getting, you're trying to capture the feelings that the great Anbiya and the great Sahaba and great Oliya felt when they recited Fatiha, but you've got to feel it yourself also. You've got to feel it for yourself also. You've got to feel it in your own way also, right? That's very important. So whenever you make Du'a, whatever Du'a you make, try to, and and maybe in your own language, in your own words, you should add something. You should add something to it, and then you'll really feel that it was your Du'a, all right? That you offer to your Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah ta'ala is Rabbul Alameen. He's also Rabbul Nas. He's also Rabbi. These are all words in, in our deen. Allah ta'ala is the Rabb of the entire created realms and universes. Allah ta'ala is Rabb of all humanity and all people. And Allah ta'ala is Rabbi. He's also My Rabb. This is what we say when we go to such as Rabbi. We don't say Subhan Rabbil Alameen. We don't, we know, we say Subhanar Rabbi. My Rabb. We began the Salah, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. We say that also. We begin with that. But we end with what? myrab One Arif, he said that the Quran al kareem begins with Rabbil Alameen, ends with Rabbil Nas. Right? But then what happens is, when you finish the Quran, when you realize that Rabbil Nas is Rabbi, he's my Rabb. Hmm? It takes the whole Quran to figure that out. Ajib. hmm. It takes the whole Quran al kareem to figure out. All the way you have to go from Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, the first lines of the first surah, Surah Al-Fatiha, Alhamdulillah and the last surah, Surah Al-Nas, Ul, A'udhu bi Nas. you need the whole Quran to understand that. And when you understand that, then you will, what will you ultimately understand? Rabbi, who are Rabbi? He is my Rabb. Anta Rabbi, you are my Rabb. You will talk to Allah like that. That's called dua. Anta Rabbi, that's a dua. This is a nice Arabic phrase to use in your du'as as well. So you will say Rabbana, you will say Allahumma, but sometimes it's nice to say Rabbi. Alright? It's a personal thing, it's a personal feeling, a personal relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Khair, there are many, many things, but, uh, this is telling me I've spoken to you for one hour, ten minutes already. Although I know all of you were not there from the very, very start. Ultimately, you know, we are unprepared for Ramadan, but Allah Ta'ala is prepared for us. This is the beauty of it. Hmm? Me and you are utterly and entirely unprepared for Ramadan, but Ramadan is entirely prepared and ready for us. Me and you are entirely un- not ready and unprepared for Ramadan. Allah Ta'ala in His pre-eternal, eternal al-hayyul-qayyum attributes has always been prepared and ready to bestow upon us this coming Ramadan. Allah Akbar Kabira. Hmm? That's another ajeeb aspect of our aqeedah hmm? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all past eternal time, for all future eternity, in His timeless essence, in His timeless attributes, in His infinite wisdom, in His infinite knowledge, in His infinite foreknowledge, always was planning to gift each and every one of us, inshallah, this coming Ramadan. Allahu akbar kameera, hm? So the, this is the azma, the magnitude and magnificence of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, that we humble ourselves before Him. Subhanahu wa Taala,
0: Subhanahu wa ala Subhanallah, Alhamdulillahi, wa la ilaha illallah, wa allahu akbar, Subhanallah, wa bihamdi bihamdih, Subhanaladhim, and we make dua to
1: Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, give each and every one of us, and all of our friends and family, and all of our colleagues, and all of our elders, and every member of the ummah, the most. Transformative experience in Ramadan, and may Allah Taala spread and share the noor of His Hidayah in Ramadan, so that even those who have yet to accept Iman in Him, they get taufiq to have Iman. Those who were sleeping in their Iman of Him, they become wakeful in their Iman. Those who had dishonored through sins their Iman in Him, that they regain honor and izzah and dignity through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and forgiveness. May Allah accept this near from us. Wa akhirat da'wana ananhamdulillahi rabbil anameen. We'll just end with the words, SubhanAllah, Rabbi,
0: Allah, Wahhab, Allah, Massani, Allah, Sidunah, Muhammad, Wa Allah, Ali, Sidunah, Muhammad, Yawa, Barak, Wa Sannam, Rabbana, Dhanumna, Anfusana, Wa illam, Taghfirlana, Wa Tarhamna, Lanakunanna, Mina, Khalsirin, Rabbi, Ghfir, Warham, Anta, Khair, Rahimeen, Rabbana, La, Tuzil, Qudubana, Ba'alayad, Hadaytana, Wa Hablana, Min Ladunka, Rahma, Inna, Ka, Wahhab,
1: رَبِّ اغفِر لَنَا وَتُبْ لِهِنَّ إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ التَّوَابُ الرَّحِيمُ رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةً وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَةً وَكِنَاءَ عَذَابَ النَّارِ Ya we ask you to forgive us, Ya Rabb. Forgive us for all the sins that we have committed. Forgive us for all the neglect and ghafla we fell into. Forgive us, Ya Rabb, for losing any and every blessing you sent upon us in last year in Ramadan. Ya Rabb, and forgive us for our unworthiness. Forgive us for our worthlessness. Forgive us for our incapacity. Ya Rabb, you are sending this month of Ramadan, waallakum tattakoon, so that we may become Allah First, we must seek your forgiveness, Ya Rabb, for not not yet becoming from the muttaqin mu'mineen not yet becoming from the salihin mu'mineen ya we are do shukr to you we are eternally ever grateful to you make us always from ibadik as shukur ya Rabbi Kareem we are grateful that you are sending Ramadan upon us ya give us tawfiq and himma ya Rabb give us grace and strength ya Rabb Yala, we ask that you give us the ability and strength to fast every first fast ya Rabb, please ya Rabb ya Rabb, please ya Rabb give us tawfiq to fast the faster Ramadan ya for every second of every fast every day fast of Ramadan and we ask that you from your karim and Fazil, give us tawfiq and himmah yaram to pray the fard salah to offer every rakah to fall in every saddah, and to remember you and our salah to be turning towards you and our salah let us feel the kurb and our sujud let us feel the feeling of your azmat in our ruku let us feel a ta'luk in a connection with you in reciting Quran ya Rabbi Kareem we ask that you take us out from every sin we ask that you forgive us From every sin We ask that you protect us From every sin We ask that you remove us far And make us distant From every sin you put a distance Between us and sin Greater than that Which you've put Between the metaphorical East and West Make us ever distant From our own memories of sin Our own actions of sin The people of sin The gatherings of sin The temptations of sin The inclinations of sin We ask that you Remove the distance That has come between us We ask that you remove The absolute and emptiness in our heart. Bikrim, we feel the need. We want to feel more need for you. We want to have more talab for you. We want to have more inaba for, for you. We want to have more yearning for you. Make us ever and always seeking you. Bikrim, forgive us for all the time we spent in Talib of the Dunya and seeking of that with is material. Ya Rab, guide us now. Turn our hearts now. Make our hearts strong, Yarin Bikrim. Make us ever and always desirous of you, seeking you, yearning for you. Ya Bikrim. Ya we ask that you make this Ramadan the transformative experience of our life the changing experience of our life and for each and every member of this Ummah Ya Rabbi Ya we make dua for all of those who are listening Ya spend your Nur upon their hearts send your Khas Karam on their lives put Barakah on their lives Ya Rab, forgive them and forgive us for all the mistakes we have made Ya bikrim, unite our hearts in love, peace and harmony Ya Rabbi unite all of the Ummah Ya bikrim, unite all of humanity Ya Rabbi Remove all of the zulm And oppression in the world Remove all of the wrong In the world Yerim Bikrim You are al-haq Yerim Bikrim We ask that you make The true feelings prevail Over the wrong feelings ya Allah Make true justice prevail Over every injustice ya Allah And yarab, Just as you are a being Of mercy and forgiveness Yerim Bikrim We ask that you make us Merciful to one another Forgiving of one another Pardoning of one another Yerim Bikrim Soften the hearts Mend the hearts Yerim Bikrim Put peace and love in the hearts of the homes put peace and love between the spouses between peace and love between the parents and the children Between put peace and love between the friends and colleagues Ya Rabbi Kareem, unite us Ummah Ya Rabbi Kareem. as you will unite us in fasting you will unite us in breaking the fast you will unite us in Eid unite us in so many ways Ya Rabbi unite our hearts Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Rabbi I ask that you accept any and all du'as that they may have in their hearts they may be silently asking you they may be vocally asking you Ya any one of us ever made any du'a Ya Rabbi That was accepted by you That was acceptable to make Ya Rabbi ask that you accept it Ya Rabbi Grant us that which is better than Ya Rabbi And on the Day of Judgment Ya Rabbi Shower your Rahman Mercy upon us Make us amongst those you forgive Grant us submission to Jannah for those Grant us the Sohbah of the Anbiya Alayhim as Ajma'in The Sohbah of the Sahaba Radiallahu Ta'ala anujmain, Ajma'in And whatever it takes Ya Rabbi Whatever life we have to lead Whatever changes we have to make And this this life, ya rab to get that akhirah afterlife ya rab give us tawfiq and Himmah, inspire our heart to make those changes give us the strength to lead those lives make us ya rab give us hearts of virtue give us hearts of good character make us people of virtue people of good character ya rab we make to for all the ummah ya rab send your rahman the ummah your hidayah on the ummah rabbana minna <speaking> innaka samiul <Hebrew> alim
0: wa innaka وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَلَى هَبِيبِهِ سَيدَنا مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ بِرَحْمَتِكَ يَا أَرْحَمَ الرَّاهِمِينَ